Contained herein are the heresies of Radolf Burntwine, erstwhile monk-turned-traveling medical investigator. Join me as I uncover the blasphemous truth of a plague-ridden world, that ours is not a loving God, and we are not its favored children. The Heresies of Radolf Burntwine, coming January 2nd, wherever podcasts are available. Hello and welcome to IGN podcast number 372. I told you not to say the number. I'm saying it. We only say that on, why you, on another podcast why you, that we do. Why I like you, saying um, the number. Why are you anti-math? Because it makes people think counting. bloody Listen, hell. you're new to this, right? We, I've done it before. We, ni- we nixed the numbers ages ago. Did you don't actually? You, don't you come up in here bringing the numbers back? What I'm Alex doing, always says the number. Does he? I'm yeah, giving you that's a, why we don't let him on a podcast tradition, anymore. Tradition. We don't I'm, him on a podcast I'm giving anymore. you a little extra flair with my hosting. It's rare. But what if this flair. is someone's first podcast? They feel very alienated. No, they like, feel no. like they're stepping into a grand old no. tradition. <laughs> yeah, like Coronation Street. Yeah, it's like Coronation doesn't Bowl. start with fucking Beck going, ah, this is episode 2000 well, and something. Well, the Be- Super Bowl's ha- fucking not in it anymore. The Super is Bowl she? had an L Bet. after it. Bet Lynch. Well, you asked, anyway, what are we doing? Curry. Podcasting, I think. Oh. Podcast. This is a podcast, but a different one. A different kind of podcast. It is. Something you might not expect, which is why I'm at the start of it. Uh, I'm joined by Gav Murphy and Daniel Krupa. We should have established that uh, earlier. We've just hello. had a lot of loud shouting from yeah. angry very, Welsh bastards. Very cool. That's but this, this podcast, the bulk of it, is going to be taken up with a special guest. A yes, man with yeah. a name that means blood. <laughs> Gore Verbinski. Well, when we were going to interview him, Gav kept calling him Gore Vidal. Yeah. <laughs> well, no, I did, say, I did say, like, I wanted to... And you just... kept calling Vidal so soon. <laughs> yeah. So what are we talking about? So, this running order looks weird. So we are in a hole. <laughs> um, but no, I did actually want to open... Because we talked to Gore Verbinski about a bunch of stuff, but I wanted to say, like, are you gutted that the, um, <laughs> that the only other famous Gore also has a, a surname that begins with V? I thought you were going to say, are you... I thought the gutted thing was a joke. No. That would be quite a good joke. <laughs> I mean, it, it's as good as the Gore Vidal thing. Yeah, fair play. Yeah. Um. <laughs> but you two Generous. met famous Pirates of the Caribbean boy, Gore Verbinski. Yeah. Gore Verbinski, and we talked all about his um, latest movie, A Cure for Wellness. Please yeah. tell me and what it is. Yeah, so I knew nothing about it. I didn't even watch the trailer before going to see the movie. I watched I the trailer. Knew. No, yeah, I hadn't seen it at all, so I knew so absolutely f- nothing about it. That was one of my favourite trailers last year. Yeah, so... And then I watched the trailer afterwards. I think it's very hard to get a handle on the movie, and I don't want to go on it about it in too much detail because it, like, it's a movie you can definitely spoil. Yeah. But what I should say is it's a modern gothic tale. It looks to me, from that trailer, like a fancy Shutter Island. Yeah, there's elements of that in the yeah. same way that um, somebody gets taken to a remote location yeah. in Austria, I think it is in the movie, or Switzerland, mm. and it's like a, a, a kind of a clinic that very that wealthy people go to mm. um, to feel better, and there's lots of secrets. And better from mis- what? Well, just general modern malaise, I think. Uh-huh. So it's pandering to the rich that you stay there and you'll become better and yeah. people never come back. Is it a and period piece? Um, no, but oh. it, once they get to Austria, Switzerland, mm. it's a bit like out of time. Yeah. Right. And things start to happen. Mm. And it's a bit like mystery, a little bit detective elements, a bit procedural, yeah. and then some bonkers stuff as well. Some bonkers stuff happens. Yeah, so the guy running the sort of centre is Jason Isaacs. Yes. Who is brilliant in it. Like, if, I think he's my favourite thing in it. Yeah, absolutely. He's fantastic. Yeah. If you've watched the OA 
And no matter what else you Ooh, think about actually, the OA, yeah. he is fantastic. I don't think I even knew that Jason Isaacs was in that. He, he plays... Uh, the main without, woman. Without, yeah. Yeah, without He's giving, always he brilliant. He can do anything. He can do anything. Without yeah. giving too much away, he plays a similar role. Yeah. And it's he's just so fantastically creepy. Yeah. Because you want to like him. I re- he's so charismatic. He's got such a big square rectangle head. I really hope, because Rebels has been, Star Wars Rebels has been so uh, popular and he plays the Inquisitor in it. Does he? Inquisitor's a fucking amazing character. I really hope that I didn't know it's that. so popular that they bring him into the thing. Well, they've done it the that. other way around, like, and stuff. Like, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, why not? He's great. Why not? I wish we were talking to him. <laughs> <laughs> no. Gore's brilliant. Gore's great. But why is Gore Babinski brilliant? Because Q for Wellness. Also, Pirates of the Caribbean. He spent a lot of time on water doing that. But also, <laughs> one of the main reasons we wanted to talk to him um, is because for ages he was making the Bioshock film. Mm. And we found out, like, it actually became a bit of a joke in the interview, I kind of feel. I was listening to it back and there's actually a kind of It's a, it's a little moments. bit torturous when we're going, yeah. and there's one bit you go, so in Cure for Wellness, it's quite a lot of water. You know what else is a lot of water? <laughs> Bioshock. <laughs> and I was and I'm, like, it is like I'm sat next to you and going, even I think that's a fucking stretch. Yeah. So like, <laughs> there's a bit where I just go, because um, like, you, I think you think it's awkward. I'm like so kicking you, your foot. But you take it back to, um, oh, no. you take it back to um, Cure for Wellness. And then we start talking about Jason Isaac as this sort of like autocratic person in charge of this thing. And I said, you know, else you reminds me of Andrew Ryan from Bioshock. <laughs> and like try to take Jesus. it back. And like, I've listened to it back. And in my head, he gave a really good answer. He literally ignores it's it. It's like, wow. can you just not, please? Come on. And it's a bit right You're the end. so uh, egomaniacal that you've then, imagined your questions got great answers. And then uh, towards the end, we kind of bring it back. And then he has to actually just break. You'll listen to it where you're going, guys, come on now. He literally goes, really? at one point he just goes, <laughs> You guys really like Bioshock, don't you? <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> it sounds more awkward than it is, and it's like, but no, that that happens when you do junkets, though. Like when you do a lot of junkets, you either come out act, absolutely hating it, oh yeah, 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 and you've got something good out of it, or you come well, it's out like just shows how you've got something awesome, like, and you look at it, and you're instantly like, faulty yeah. human memory is. Yeah, and when you listen back, them and just how mood affects yeah. everything. Yeah, if you don't they're, feel, they're good. nice to you and stuff. Yeah. yeah. Um, um, but yeah, I think it's a really interesting chat. We also talked to him about uh, Pirates of the Caribbean. Your yeah. mum watching Pirates of the Caribbean. Yeah. Um, Netflix. We talked about loads of stuff, not just Cure for Wellness. He's I, a really nice bloke. He's very yeah. softly spoken. Because obviously on, on this podcast, we talk a lot about like our cinema stories and things. And I said like... We'll do more of that this um, week. We'll do more of that. Uh, and so, so we talked to him a little bit about that. And he said he's actually a nightmare in the cinema, but not for the reasons that you would think. And Ooh. it's actually, it, like what he talks about, we talk about that for a good couple of minutes because he's he says something really, really interesting or a bunch of really interesting stuff. What a tease. I know, right? Um, so IGN UK underscore feedback. Oh no, IGN underscore UK feedback at IGN.com. Yeah. I want someone to tell us what they think is the worst thing that Gav does to reference Bioshock or just count the number of times he says the word water. Oh yeah, or count the amount of times we say fucking Bioshock. <laughs> Like, because I really guarantee good. you now it's more than we say a cue for fucking wellness. <laughs> so, coming up now, we've got an, the interview with Gore Verbinski, but come back afterwards. Don't turn it off just because it's not quite what you want. You yeah. Spoiled brat. <laughs> um, we've got keyword countdown and feedback straight after this. Uh, so, first thing we want to chat about is how hard is it getting people to buy into making an R rated movie like this of such a big budget? Well, it's not that big of a budget. Okay. Yeah. I mean, I mean, it, um, when it, well, you've done well with the money then because it looks like it's huge. 
Well, we tried to see how I turned that around. We, then, yeah, I like that. We tried to, you know, if you're if you're sort of the right size of crew, you can kind of travel to a lot of places, and yeah. and you know, we're building a mosaic. So, um, yeah, I mean, it's an interesting time. You don't, you know, to to if you want the 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 means um, that maybe David Lean had to make a movie, you know, now you need a theme park ride or or a comic book or something. You need something to 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 justify that. So, you know, when you're making something from whole cloth, um, yeah, that you're not, you know, the the bag is a quarter full, but mm. you know, you also don't have to appeal to everybody. Right. But is it harder than getting people to sort of get on board with funding and things like that? Because as you're saying, you're coming out with this completely brand new concept and it's not part of another universe, it's not part of a series, it's not going to have these huge sequels and things. Is it harder than going in, sure. you know, pitching that? I'm not quite sure how we did it, to be honest with you. <laughs> a bit of hypnosis. And, yeah. You know, what was, what was the genesis behind this movie? Because there's a lot of secrets in this movie, which we're not going to tread on because we don't want to spoil the film. But it's kind of this, like, very dark, very kind of trippy dreamy like thriller detective story but also gothic elements as well what was the kind of genesis originally when you were like you know with the movie i mean it started with a tone discussion working with justin haith the writer we were we were we were just discussing movies that we're fans of and the sense that um something inevitable is is happening in those movies there's a there's a sense of um purpose beyond uh, it's like an invisible force, you know, in, in the the narration of the movie itself, and that led to a discussion. Well, what if that were? What if the narrative itself were sickness? You know, what if it was a a black spot on your X-ray that is not going away? And even though your protagonist might be in denial of it, there's a sense that there is some hidden cancer. You know, it's sort of like a like a dark sort of um, plutonium sort of force that's sort of pulling. Um, pulling at the protagonist, pulling the camera down the corridor, all of that. So, <clears throat> and then we were we were both fans of Thomas Mann's novel, The Magic Mountain. Yeah, one of the characters is reading it. Yeah. yeah, so we sort of said, well, what if what if we what if we make uh, you know make the place a, a health spa? And I think there's something, you know, it's it's ripe for corruption. This sort of place of tranquility, this place of you know kale smoothies and uh, terry cloth robes and. Um, and just the sort of the idea that you know the louder you scream, the nicer the place is. Mm. What were some of the films that you kind of talked about in that initial discussion? Uh, well, I I have my personal favorites. I, I'm I was very disturbed by Roman Polanski's The Tenant when I was younger, and um, uh, films like uh, The Servant by Joseph Losey and um, Don't Look Now, The Shining, of course, uh, but also films like. Um, the Innocence. I don't know if you know yeah, this movie yeah, with Deborah Carr. Yeah, adaptation to the screw. Yeah, it's um. um I got a little those bit of movies. Wicker Man as well, as well. Like somebody being drawn into this kind of close society, and there's more going on than initially sure. appears. Sure. I mean, I think the genre allows you to um, fully deploy a sort of dream logic, you know, as opposed to a waking state. You can. Um, like, how careful do you have to be about dream logic? Because obviously part of the middle section of the movie is you follow Dane DeHaan's character as he's kind of uncovering information. So you want there to be a degree of reliability about the facts that you're presenting to the audience, but also you're implementing kind of dream sequences. So you're kind of throwing the viewer off the scent as well. Like, how careful do you have to be so you don't kind of disgruntle the audience, maybe? 
Yeah, I mean, it's, a, it's you know, that's the hat trick, you know, you're sort of playing the untrustworthy narrator. Sometimes we go all the way, um, just to keep you worried that we might go all the way in some other place. Um, so, you know, operating and, and sort of, yeah, certainly, in, you know, avoiding exposition, but trying to get things close enough together that you, you kind of, you put them together. I think, um, you know, there's really sort of two types of storytelling for me. There's, and they both have value. There's the kind of, you're going to put your hand on the back of the audience and you're going to lead them through the narrative and that, that works well <clears throat> in Rango or Pirates of the Caribbean or something like that. And then there's this sort of breadcrumb approach where you're, you're really hands off and you're kind of preying upon their motivation to discover or, um, you know, and you get to use, you get to use things that are enigmatic and, and you get to kind of um, let them let them kind of squint and, and, and try to kind of, I know that that somehow relates to that. And if you get them doing that, then the, the little sort of squeaky door opens in the front of their head and you kind of, you know, you get to sort of enter. Do you kind of a lot of the striking images in the film, um, did you cook up a lot of them in advance or were they kind of, they came on the day? Uh, no, it's all really planned. I mean, from script, you know, and then little stick figure drawings on the side the margins of the screenplay the blank page to to scouting and and walking around with it you know i went to germany about this time in 2015 just with a camera just went all over um trying to find a castle went to you know went to austria went to prague went to romania went to switzerland um what were you looking for in that spooky house on the hill well it needed to be a voice you know it needed to be a character in the movie um wanted to feel like this place has has been there for a long time watching you know um, watching us go through our industrial revolution and our uh, you know fossil fuels and the, the sort of personal computer and our cell phones and kind of seeing the sort of masticizing disorder of kind of modern man and and and, and you know being able to sort of diagnose that um, so it needed to have a tremendous sense of history. It also, I loved when I found the castle. Hohenzoller it had that circular driveway, mm-hmm. which, um, and it was. I, I always wanted to, to sort of have this sort of rectilinear world that Lockhart belongs to. And as he, as he makes this journey, he's sort of, um, he's slipping out of bounds. You know, his 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 watch stops. His cell phone doesn't work. He's, he's kind of off the map. Um, so that place just really felt right immediately. Yeah. And then, uh, and then we had to put it together. I mean, it's not. That's what I was saying before. You don't really have the means to just like create everything uh, whole cloth. You, you sort of we, we use that for the exterior and mm-hmm. for the drive up, and then sort of built a little piece of a tunnel. And when you come out, we're suddenly at a place on the other side of Germany and mm-hmm. and, uh, and Bielitz, which is an old, an, an old hospital that um, they actually treated. Hitler after World War One there, really? and it's a uh, it was abandoned. It was just covered with graffiti and broken windows. And yeah. really, so you have to do a lot of cleanup. Yeah, today. yeah, cleaned it up, put in some fresh lawn and yeah, um, and some nurses. Yes, I couldn't believe the castle was real. I sent you a message today going, the castle's real. It's a real place you can go to. Yeah. Like, it's just crazy that you were able to find something that imposing um, that you could just use for filming. Oh, we were really lucky that they let us use it. Yeah. It's, um, you know. I don't think they quite know what we were up to. But you have to make a case. You have to explain the film to them. You're like, it's a love yeah, story. It's a love Saint story. St. Jeremy's a great place to visit. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah. Um, 
Yeah, the prince just watched it actually the other day. Really? We, you weren't there with him, were you? No. Okay. I tiptoed out. <laughs> I got a message that he loved it. So I was like, That's good. Yeah. You got a text from him saying... <laughs> yeah, through, through another person, but yeah. Um, yeah, it's his home. You know, didn't want to kind of ruin it for the rest of everybody. But. Yeah. One of the, th- the things, obviously, like, you know, water is a huge theme. Uh, water is a sure. sort of horrific thing as a theme in this, but a lot, a lot of your films as well. Like, what is it in particular about water that scares you? It feels like drowning, you know. Um, uh, But it's also such a wonderful, you know, form of purification, Mm. the origin of life, the catharsis, the baptism. I mean, there's so many um, metaphors with water. Uh, It's also quite photographic. Um, But in this film, it it just seemed like, um, you know, another thing to sort of corrupt. Like, what is in this sort of pure clean mm-hmm. liquid what is what's hidden inside that glass of water yeah there's quite a lot of sort of themes in the film I thought that um, like we're video games nerds so we're huge Bioshock fans and there's quite a lot in the film that sort of seems to draw or you know there, there are parallels you can draw between this world and Bioshock I think um, and obviously you were involved in that project for a while was that something you sort of had in your mind when you were making this well I think Bioshock is is, is really Oedipal and it, it, you know that's what's so wonderful about that narrative. And this is, this deals more specifically with, um, with uh, this kind of absolution. This idea that we're going to take these people who've done, um, you know, probably horrible things in the name of achievement. I mean, I, I've always imagined you could bump into, you know, Dick Cheney in the steam bath at this place or something. Oh, you know, you, you know, you, you. There's a cost, right? And um, I mean, there's a reason. Volmer can you know mm. can prey upon these people because mm. I think when you're when you say to somebody you're not responsible because you're not well it's that's an opiate that's, yeah. that's a narcotic that's the thing that's sort of lotus eaters that's keeping them there so so we're more utopia than dystopia yeah you know? well I, I did kind of feel that he was um, he's very similar to Andrew Ryan in the sense the sort of you know he was controlling this world of his that was you know his right. it is his world. Yeah, um, I suppose he has a he has a point of view. Um, yeah, you know he's been he's been here for a while, and he's been watching, mm. um, and he's, and and I think that you know, but but uh, the the cure for wellness is really um, like these movies. I think they work when they tap into some contemporary fear, even as gothic as this film you know is, and um, you know when curtain closes. Um, I don't want to sort of be able to say that was, I put that away, and mm. now I'm going to go back to my life. I would like to think that um, that there's something that, you know, there's something we're afraid of, or there's some, and I think we don't, you know, we don't feel well. Yeah. You know, I think that, that we live in an increasingly irrational world, and I think that, um, you know, we know history, and we're sort of driving the car into the wall, and we can't seem to turn the wheel, and um, there's a contemporary um, aspect to that, I think that that fear that I hope sort of stick. Even though you're watching the movie and you're watching Lockhart's journey, um, they were also speaking to something else. And um, something like I'm interested in because we feel like movies and video games a lot, and something that's emerged in the last few years is real spoilerphobic culture. Mm. That people you, you can't decide what other people will deem a spoiler. And with a movie like this, obviously we're not going to discuss the ending. But the film really builds to an amazing crescendo. 
and there's a lot in this movie that I didn't know going in that was in this movie. Like, how hard is it to know what to kind of reveal and what to keep still in like your closed hand? Well, and how I much are you in control of that as well as the director? Because I spoke speaking to directors over the last few years and like I talked to them about their own trailers and they're like, well, I never wanted that in the trailer. Right away. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, um, uh, on this film, I'm in complete control of that. And I think, um, but it's, you know, you, you, what's exciting is being on the boundary of maybe it won't work, you know, is pushing yourself right to the edge of like, you're tinkering with something and you don't, you know, this could go off the rails at any moment. And I think that's the joy, you know, is getting to that place where it just, you know, and hopefully it blows up in your face. I mean, that's the, you know, that's the sort of mad place to be. Um, and I try to, um, I try to get there, you know, if it's, if it's like, I want to make an animated movie, I have no idea how to make an animated movie. That sounds, the more you say, I have no idea what I'm doing, the more you're like, let's do it, you know? And, or you're going to, people think you're crazy because you're going to make a pirate movie and, you know, um, those don't work. They haven't worked in, you know, 30 years. Um, Based on a ride. And then you go, you, go, you just go, yeah, absolutely, have to do like that, you know? Right, yeah. yeah, so... <laughs> I think trying to find that place where you're, where you're really not certain. You know, you're asking me like, are you? What, what's the confidence factor? And I think the confidence factor is back here, and it's pretty fucking boring. You know, you want to kind of go to the place where it's with, the with, thing is like. I guess what I'm saying also about spoilers is, you want to keep things hidden because you want people to experience it in the purity of the cinema the first time as the way you intended it when you finish the edit. But at the same time, it's like, is this something really exciting? that you could put in promotional materials that would get people on the seat in the first place? Keep well, as a, the marketing discussion is you have to bifurcate. I mean, it's so mm. different from the thing itself. Mm. Um, uh, I, I think to your, to your first question, like how difficult is it to, to get something like this made? I mean, you most movies we go to now, we know the underlying intellectual property pretty well. Yeah. We know the, the comic or the theme park or we know, um, you know, the game, video game. Um, but there was a time we went to a movie theater and we didn't know anything about what was going to transpire on that screen. And um, yeah, and, uh, spoiler, I think that's more, you know, it's not whether we spoil a moment or this or that. It's just trying to get to a place of like, oh, remember what that was like? You, I have no idea what this movie is going to be. Mm-hmm. Um, because there isn't, it isn't based on an IP. You know, it's it's not specifically what did I hear about it as much as um, you you can't go buy the toy. Yeah, I'd love to buy an eel toy. <laughs> eel plush. Well, there's probably a website for you. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I'd be careful. You you say you like to be challenged. Is that what sort of drew you to um, you know the buy shop project in the first place? Because you know adapting a video game. It's a pretty hard thing to do. Yeah, but that's video games, not like any other. Mm. You know. Do you think? Because for a while there was like lots of bad comic book movies, and then it kind of went away. And some people pinpoint something like Blade and go, "That's a video, a, a movie adaptation of a comic book that kind of did well." Do you think there's something fundamental about video games, or somebody just hasn't come along and adapted it with the kind of right creative spirit? Well, it depends on the project. I mean, I think that you know. Uh, the, your enemy when you're making a movie is a is an episodic second act, and you, that's your ally when mm-hmm. you're making a video game. So, uh, or a series, um, you know, um, 
the, the, the episodic nature of, of the narrative has to fundamentally change. And you have to be will willing to work with a company that's going to throw away all of their, uh, they're going to give you, they're going to trust you, you know. So I think there's, there's a lot of, are you making a movie or are you making a commercial for somebody's video game, right, yeah. you know. And I think that's, the, that's where you kind of have to, um, you have to stand back and say, I'd rather go do this movie than yeah. get into that business where um, the rules are going to be so specifically adhered to that you really can't make a compelling movie. Were yeah. some of those restrictions put on you when you were adapting the Bioshock movie? Sure. I mean, the, what, yeah, they, everybody wants to protect their IP, mm. right? Um, it, it, it started to smell a little funky. I mean, it, it started out great, started to smell a little funky, but the real, it's not so much the the owners of the, of the underlying property is um, that's an expensive proposition mm. you know I mean that's um, that's a big tapestry um, and an R-rated and you know I think at that time there had been some R-rated expensive movies that hadn't worked uh, so yeah it's a, um, it's a shame do you think the landscape has sort of changed? I mean, certainly in the last sort of like year or so, we've seen like people go crazy for like Deadpool, and you know mm. Logan's going to be R-rated now as well. Right. Um, and obviously, you've got this coming out. This R-rate is not quite the budget of the Bioshock movie would have been. But do you think maybe the landscape has changed in a sense that you could, you know, maybe return to that? Yeah, I have no idea where it is now, mm. and who owns it, and where it went, and how much is against it, and you know. Yeah. So I, I don't. Um, maybe. Yeah. Maybe you know. Are you hoping for the call if this R-rated film does well? He'd be like, right, well, okay, we'll give you all the money to do an R-rated Bioshock. You know, what's interesting, when you get that close to shooting a movie, you've kind of made it. Right. You know, that's the danger. You've kind of made it in your head. Yeah. You know? um, so whenever you get, you know, it's one thing when your movie doesn't happen, and then, you know, but you're this far away, and then later, you know, it happens, and you're like, you go. But when you go literally eight weeks before you start shooting, yeah. you've kind of... Sort of story, it's like, it's um, devastating. That's why there's yeah. all those great, like, documentaries about movies that almost happen, and they've got all those resources. Like, do you think we'll ever see the light of day and all that stuff? Like, Jodorowsky's Dune, you can see what that movie would have looked like. Mm. Because all that stuff has existed in a, a yeah, warehouse Yeah, maybe. Somewhere. There's all kinds of crazy stuff. There's screen tests and... There's nutty stuff. Yeah. But I'm here to sell this. Yeah, no, of course, yeah. But it, it does feel like, you know, the sort of uh, the sort of idea of Bioshock does kind of run through a cube for wellness. I've, I've kind of felt like that with, like, the production design, definitely, and a lot of the sort of, like, weird techno machinery and things like that. Like, how did you, like, who was on board for that? Yeah, that's just sort of, I, I think that happens. It's just a kind of love of that, that mm. sort of era. Um, I think that there are... Uh, you know, it's it's important that this place kind of not exist necessarily in our world. That that there's a there's a collision of the mm. sort of inevitable and the irrational in this movie. And you're um, so that you know the corridors, the hallways, the paint the structure, the, the devices themselves, um, sort of clusing together, um, sort of pseudoscience and and you know this idea. Well, I don't want to say. I don't want to tell too much. Um, I almost went there. Uh, you know, uh, yeah, I think that's an aesthetic that, that you know, who doesn't like, you know, Art Deco, mm. you know? Is it, well, there's a, I guess there's an uncanniness to it as well because these are all kind of recognizable medical objects in isolation, but thrown all together 
in this modern high-tech facility that all these rich people are going to seems kind of weirdly old and new and yeah it's I just that feeling of disorientation you know like the shining this you, as soon as you enter the overlook there's something that puts you ill at ease in the production design sure. was that kind of a thing with every scene it's like just putting the audience kind of how thing. old is the massage right at some point you actually have to thump somebody on the back yeah. and rub them down with oil and how old is the steam bath you know um this is an escape from the modern world and the pressures of the modern world. So um, that's its purpose, is to sort of say, put away your cell phone. Come come here and take the cure. Mm. Uh, so it has to be, um, a, you know, a place that, that predates all of that. It feels like it'd be a really good advert for, like, not using your phone in the cinema. If you just put, show some, like, really horrible stuff from the cure for wellness happening. Um, does that annoy you? Have you ever had an encounter with someone using their phone in a cinema while you've oh, yeah. been there? Yeah. Yeah, it's a crime. Yeah. Punishable by strange, strange what, what do you usually do if you see someone using their phone in the cinema? Well, I'm usually staying... I don't... I'm not a good person in the cinema because I'm usually the person getting up four times and saying, the left surround is out. And why, when the guy's walking across, you have repatched the left and right don't make sense. and Or the... You know, I'm seeing the boom because you're out of rack. Or I literally go back My and talk girlfriend. to the, you know, the, the really? pimple-faced, uh, you know, kid, kid who's like, I'm the projectionist. It's like, you're the projectionist. My, yeah. my, my girlfriend's father used to refuse to take them to the local cinema because he said the sound wasn't good enough, so he built a cinema in their front room. Nice. You saw Terminator 2 as a two-year-old. Yeah. <laughs> you know, you don't want to go see a movie with me. I'm yeah. the worst. Because they're never... So, I mean, you spend so much time. Yeah. Um, there's a reason. This this movie is shot 178. Um, uh, which is basically a 16 by 9 format, so mm. that I'm so tired of reframing my movies for television and God knows what else, airlines yeah. and all that stuff. So this was like, I'm going to work backwards, I'm going to shoot this movie in the format so that... You know, <laughs> no one can fuck it up. <laughs> yeah, and you spend so much time kind of composing your, your frame, and then yeah. there's like, somebody made a deal with somebody, to oh, we got a new box, or we created a new widget, and... Wait, so what does that have to do with my movie? You want me to to fundamentally change the composition of the movie? We spend so much time on set just, yeah. you know, adjusting things and, and getting it just where um, where it ought to be, you know? And then suddenly we're going to completely change it from a square to a triangle to a rectangle to a circle, you know? Yeah, it's 3D. Yeah. It sounds like you like being in control of quite a lot of stuff with your film. Is it hard then, as a director, to sort of let go as soon as you've made the film to sort of let go and be like, right now it's in the audience's hand, or do you kind of want to go around to everyone's house and make sure that the conversation of everything is correct? I would if I could, but yeah. I, I can't. You have to. You I have actually, generally, I walked in once to my house at Christmas time. Went home at Christmas time. My mum was watching uh, Paris of Caribbean too and she was watching it with the wrong audio thing on, so she was watching it with director's commentary, um, or like maybe it was your commentary or producer's commentary maybe, I think. And I walked in and I was like, there's two guys talking on the top, and I was like, what are you doing? She was like, oh, oh I'm just watching uh, Paris Caribbean. I was like, you know, you've got like the commentary oh, track on, not the real track. And she was like, I did wonder why there was two men talking over the top of the film. It's like, this is like an hour and a half into the film she'd been watching this as well. Yeah, well, now they have these new TVs with, with I don't even know what they call it, motion. Right. Artifact, motion, something, motion. Yeah. And it's like, isn't our TV better? It makes your movie look like a Mexican soap opera. Oh, the yeah. motion smoothing thing. Yeah, I've got oh, the There's so many times I go around to people's houses and I have to take it off for them. Yeah. yeah but they don't realize everything looks like QVC. Oh, no, yeah. I, I, every hotel room, I'm grabbing the remote and it's not 
they nicely hide default, it in yeah. like advanced settings or something. Yeah. Like you have to really go find this fucking thing and turn it off. It drives me crazy. I wonder why they want people to watch it like that. I think that some it's got to be some like you walk into Circuit City and you know isn't ours doesn't this look much better than that one? I mean yeah. it's like they're 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 selling TVs so yeah, they're trying they have to, to put new features. They, exactly they have to put new features and I think yeah because I've watched sport with that and that looks really really that's, good. It's, it's designed for that. Yeah, yeah. Games, yeah. yeah, yeah video games you would have yeah. as well. Yeah, it um. just destroys movies completely. I mean I and I feel like we have the technology that the 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 thing it like we should have metadata in the, when I stream or whatever That's when I, really when good, I yeah. send the movie it should tell the device how it should you know it's like yeah, it's color like, bars yeah. or which is like oh yeah. this this data this content is saying play me like this and how has that just, not happened have you, that seems like a thing that should happen quite easily right you would think so like don't change the format we prohibit yeah. you from <laughs> messing with the tint or whatever you know yeah I think at some point you'd have to, you'd have to have some way to for it to watch itself and to know. <laughs> oh, I need to adjust this. Or, you just, yeah, or you've got to go around to every single person yeah. watching *Cuba <laughs> Wellness* on DVD. Get my own yeah. metadata. Yeah, That's hard. Start knocking on your door. Yeah. Um, can you talk about Jason Isaacs in the movie as well? Because I thought he's absolutely brilliant. I actually think he's good. At, he's pretty great in most things, mm. but yeah, he's really good in this movie. He's really, I've, uh, you know, he's really delicious, Jason as an actor is always delicious mm -hmm. and uh, in fact we talked about kind of peeling back that a little bit on this movie because this is a this is a cult up here in some ways I mean mm -hmm. it's you you've got to get these people to drink the Kool-Aid and they're not going to do it if they don't think you're a great man and um, so we really sort of you know wanted to to make it feel like there's a real cost to healing these people that he's um, he's genuinely uh, concerned for the well-being, and I think, like in, in like, the greatest villains are right, you know, uh, and I think he, he, Volmer's right about Lockhart, and he's right about um, the sickness of sort of mm -hmm. contemporary man. He has his one little problem, yeah. <laughs> his little obsession <laughs> with uh, purity, and uh, but other than that, he's absolutely correct with everything, you know, um, everything that he's applying, and 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 so. Yeah, Jason, I, I knew we needed somebody with that sort of charismatic presence. Um, and then just trying to really bring it back to this place where he's genuinely uh, concerned. I remember being a kid and, and sent to the principal's office. I must have been seven or eight years old. And um, the principal was a bold, very large, bald man. And uh, I was so, like angry at the teacher and I was going to go in there and I was going to defend like I'm right and she was right and door closes sits down and he just says is everything alright at home I just start crying you know it's just like I was not prepared for that yeah. in any way and, and that sort of figure of authority that is can can sort of lean across the table and touch you on the knee and say are you sleeping alright yeah are you are you when was the last time you felt well? You know, and I think that 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 has to, that was the sort of core to his performance, certainly for the first two thirds of that movie. And the and the more you you start to discover what's happening, the more you're hitting that person who's like, "We're really worried about you." Um, that's the nightmare. Yeah, it's something quite sort of troubling as well because there's a lot for the lot of the film, as you say, he's so, so charismatic. You're kind of going along with him, going, "He's actually not that bad." Um, right. And then 
obviously. Well, you want to be able to doubt whether, yeah. you know, I mean, there's a, there's a moment where um, I really want you to think maybe he's died in that car crash mm. and he's always been here. And, you know, because that's a trope, too. I mean, mm. we're, yeah. we're sort of fainting to different, um, you know, and I think ultimately that would be unsatisfying. But, yeah, yeah. but you know. I guess you want to keep as many of those possible plates absolutely. spinning before they all crash down at the end and one. Yeah. Right. Yeah. What about Dane DeHaan, like opposite him? Because he's like virtually in every frame of the movie. Yeah, we tortured him. Yeah, extensively. I mean, he was on set every day. Um, uh, he went through a lot, uh, falling off the bike on his cast with the cat. You know, I've never seen anybody hop as fast as he did when he fell off that bike. We were driving down that driveway. Yeah. Um, underwater, um, he had a, he had a real problem with the. Um, you know, we're, we're in Germany, and, you know... The rules are different. You can oh, do more to it. We, we don't... Yeah, that's true. Um, you know, we don't all speak the same language, and the safety divers are speaking German, and he's tied into this tank, and he's, you know, we're... I wanted to get the sort of, you know, the, the reflection shot as they separate his body and his mm. reflection separated. The massive pumps kind of filling this thing with water quite quickly, but he has to stay horizontal. Otherwise, he gets kicked around, so he's literally strapped into this thing and um they couldn't clear his ear i mean it's it's he's getting deeper and deeper and deeper yeah. and he couldn't get his ears to pop and for some reason we had three signals you know i get this one i'm okay and i get this one fuck, get me the fuck out yeah. we had one that was like something's not right <laughs> and it was like who you want a binary system of signals yeah um, and you don't want something's not right what's he saying and, that, and, politeness. and the yeah. water's rising and it's like something I'm, I'm feeling something you you know so there was a the, then the guys he was like get me out and the guys had to come in and you know that was Shit. the safety divers basically they were the knife yeah. to cut the, the wires um so you get stuff like that, but then twenty minutes later, he's back on the horse. That's you know, he's young. So he um, wants someone resilient. Well, <laughs> Didn't speak German. <laughs> no, that's a different question. Why, well, why, uh, look, the Lockhart was written as a, as a, particularly in the beginning, as kind of an asshole. I mean, he's ripe <clears> for <throat> diagnosis. He's not um, particularly likable. He's a stockbroker who's willing to do whatever it takes. Mm. Um, and. It was important to have somebody you would continue to watch, you know, through that process and not disengage with. Even, I think, he becomes, you have more empathy towards him as he has doubts. But at the beginning of the movie, you're like, this guy's, you know, he's not particularly somebody you want to hang out with. No. Um, and Dane has, I saw him, I think the first time I saw him was in A Place Beyond the Pines. He's got a little bit part oh, yeah. at the back end. And I was immediately thought he was... Um, there's something singular in him beyond sort of being honest in his performance which I think is sort of key um, there's something watchable you know there's something you, you want to continue watching him and yeah. um, to counterbalance this character as he was written so you don't you know throw the audience right off the rails in the first 15 minutes um, it was important, important to get Dane yeah, it seems like anytime in any film that he's in, it always seems like there's a lot going on in his face. Like yeah. it seems like he's got a lot going on because, like, obviously he plays a stockbroker, which kind of like you know stockbrokers are kind of superficial people, but you never at any point feel like he's a superficial person in this. I don't think. Yeah, and and, and there's also a lot that I mean, he's playing. Uh, there's a lot of sort of what what I what I'm sensing is in that character and what he's playing because you're dealing with denial, right? So yeah. he's, um, I think. 
I think when he's on that train and he's reading Lock, uh, the letter from Pembroke, mm. there's a reason that he might not be aware of. He's read this letter five or six times. And yeah. He keeps pulling it out, keeps reading it because it's it's speaking to him yeah. in, in a way. And um, and I think he is in denial of that. Like he's not, you know, he's not aware. So he's he's reading it, you know, going one direction. But it's sort of speaking to his core in another direction. Yeah. Um, Dane's just really good about trying to find some truth every time you roll the camera. You know, it's like hold on, time out. Da, da, da. You know, you can't hand him a piece of cardboard that's below frame and say, "Pretend you're on a cell phone." Yeah. He's like, I, I need, "Can I have a cell phone?" Yeah. Can it have real numbers in it? You know, can it work? <laughs> Um, Can you chuck some real eels on my face? Yeah, I mean, it's sure, it's exactly. Sometimes you have to, you know, you have to, you know, have a green screen or whatever. But um, there are a lot of times where it's not that big of an ask to, like, can I just have the real prop or have anything that will help me mm. be genuine in this moment? Mm. Yeah, that's really good. Um, we were talking the other day, and like, it's, um, it's kind of been like 10 years since you left Pirates of the Caribbean. So, like, I think it came out in 2007. Your last Paris Caribbean film, like, what are your sort of memories of that world, even though it's still going on now? Well, I think the the biggest challenge in in, in those movies is that you spend so much time um, sort of directing traffic. You know, they're they're so big. Um, you've got you know four hundred extras, you know, in period wardrobe. But, you know, at three in the morning they start showing up, and you're getting them through tents, and you're getting them out on boats, and you're. You're in the water and you've got your techno crane and you're kind of splashing around and you know you're you're managing all of that but you're trying to tell yourself this is a small movie yeah. you know at the end of the day there's somebody you know four feet away from the camera and there's sure there's 700 people working to get you here and but um but this is the important moment and trying to trying to stay small you know that's the real that's the thing I remember. That's the lesson, you know. Do you like ever want to make a movie on that kind of scale again? Or have you done three of those and Lone Ranger and you're kind of more interested in making these kind of films now where you possibly can exert more control over them? Well, it's a good question. Because like, I mean, those, you know, those are working with Disney who obviously have a huge vested interest in all parts of that movie. Yeah, um... That's a, that's a very good question, and, and it's a long answer. I mean, you, you, um, there was something uh, that occurred. You know, when we made the first one, nobody believed in us, the studio, and they, they were worried about Johnny's performance, and they were worried about everything. The fact that it was, you know, and it was almost like it was. We know this isn't going to work, so we really aren't. You know, we're, we're freaking out. Um, and then the second one, there was this sense of like, just keep doing that thing you're doing. We love it, you know. There was this real like, yeah. and that then you start to go, oh fuck, you know what? Wait a minute, they're, we're not making them nervous anymore. Mm. Um, what was the first time you showed them um, Johnny's performance? We shot a screen test, you know, early on. Yeah. And, Were the um, notes just like, what the fuck is this? Yes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, there were notes throughout the dailies. They were and on and on and on, but but there's that kind of you have to you know and then people start getting you get comfortable right actors know oh my audience likes it when I do this and people start to become familiar with the success and um, 
you know, we, 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 I talk about it openly with, with the cast and the crew, and they're like, we need to stay dangerous. We need to get to, you know, get back to that place where we're not sure this is going to work. We need to operate in that in that place because, um, and then ultimately, I think, um, you know, by the third one, it was like, for me, um, I sort of come to a, a close as a kind of, you know, I don't think we, I don't think, the first one wasn't, there was no sense that we were making anything that was going to be a sequel. And then, fortunately, there were enough loose ends to sort of create something, you know, who's Bootstrap Bill? Oh, yeah, we can use him for the sequel. Like, we would, you know, sort of build the room of these characters and build the backstory. Um, but, you know, then you, you kind of, you there's no more to lo- be learned. Um, and then it's just an exercise. And in profits and that it's not you know, they ever come, like, it's not really interesting you stepped away for the fourth one did they even come to you when they were thinking of the fifth one at all or did you did you just get wind of it and you're like well obviously they're making a fifth eventually yeah I mean I think I made it clear to. I mean I'm still friends with, with everybody mm. and I just made it clear that I don't I, I just I just don't want to I don't there's nothing to learn you know that's really you know there's nothing more to learn um but you you know to to operate in um, to have the means to tell a narrative at that scale, you do need you know in this day you do need some built-in audience, some awareness. I mean, we live. It's a very big ask to get people to go to a movie theater. Mm-hmm. We want you to get in a car and drive down the street and pay too much for popcorn to go see this movie. There's so much great entertainment at home, you know. Um, we saw the exodus of, of really great writing go towards television, and um, and we're reaping the rewards of that. And I think um, there's this kind of move towards, you know, eventizing that journey to the cinema, or you know, a kind of zero budget but super high concept distillable, mm-hmm. you know, idea. And everybody's run away from the middle, um, so that's the time to go there and see maybe there are opportunities yeah what about you know you mentioned TV a little bit there now there's a lot of sort of people really doubling down on things like Netflix and Amazon are really sort of pushing their independent stuff would you ever sort of maybe you know think about going to TV and doing like a series there sure yeah I think it's really compelling yeah you know to take a little more time and develop characters and Absolutely. You can also get metadata from Netflix. It's very like they, they genuinely study apparently Netflix on when people stop watching an episode of a show, so they can change the dramatic structure accordingly. Apparently, that like they would be doing what they're doing mass analysis of dramatic structure. Oh yeah, I've heard. When people yeah. are like flipping off a series, what's the moment they kind of yeah. tune out? And that's why they've said some shows they're going to experiment with and have different pacings. Yeah, that doesn't excite me. <laughs> a lot of graphs in there. But, you know, the fact that Netflix and Amazon are, are, are at war yeah. with each other, uh, you know, is, you know, I think um, there are opportunities there, you yeah. know. There's some massive growth and there are opportunities to, to do interesting work. Yeah. Maybe a Bioshock TV series. <laughs> You guys are just so about Bioshock. We yeah. are. We're big news. That's yeah. fine. So yeah, it was because I guess we were really excited by a Bioshock film. So we hope that one day we'll see it again. I suppose. Yeah. What do you think of uh, like Uncharted Four and other? I, I so, so I've worked at IGM for about five years, and you know our bread and butter is video games. You know, one of the world's biggest video games websites, and 
I also do a lot of movie stuff. And I remember speaking to Seth Rogen a few years ago, and just in between takes, he was in our office, and he was saying about... So at that time, him and Evan Goldberg were attached to write the script and direct it, and they were like, we just can't work out a way that it's not Indiana Jones. Hmm. And obviously, because Uncharted... I didn't know that. So they were going to develop that? Yeah, they were at one time. And, you know, that's, like, out there, and... um, it's true because obviously Uncharted is massively influenced by that so then to yeah. bring it back onto the screen you're kind of retreading this hugely iconic thing yeah. so it's kind of how do you make that happen and then there was obviously talk about making him a gangster and like all you know making him a bit more less of a kind of a cheeky villain and more kind of a hard-boiled gangster mm. um, that doesn't work for me and I think it's one of those things where mm. that is so spectacular and such a cinematic game why bother making that a movie when it is eminently cinematic already. I almost feel it's better to have something. I don't know we keep hopping about Bioshock, but there's a premise and there's a world there, and there's a set of characters, but I think there's a degree of flexibility with what you do in the game, yeah. that you have the space to make a movie out of it still. Yeah, I think it's one of the best ones you could possibly adapt. Mm-hmm. I mean, there was a reason to do that one and not Halo or, you know, have something you, that's... Have yeah. you seen the Assassin's Creed movie by any chance? I did not. So we saw that and... They actually do the right thing where Ubisoft has said to them, go off and tell your own story. You can have original characters. You can have a setting that we've never even used in the video game. We're not even going to have a video game out this year to give your movie the space. So I think they've tried to do all the right things. It maybe doesn't quite succeed, but I think it's a pretty good attempt at properly adapting a video game rather than trying to recreate the video game on the big screen. I mean, I think Fassbender's... Great act. It was a great cast. Yeah. yeah. And he's really driven that project over the last few years. Like, he helped oh, yeah. develop it. Yeah. yeah. That's really good. Awesome. I think it's really good, but thank you very much. Thank for you. Thank yeah. you. That, that was really, really nice good. talking to you. What a brilliant interview. Well done, gentlemen. We are basically like Parkinson, but was, there's two of us. Wasn't um, Gore Vidal very good at interviews? Yeah. <laughs> Who am I? The legs? Well, like you're dumb, the voice. It's like a pantomime horse. You're like Yorkshire. I'm Lancashire, mate. Yeah. Fuck you. <gasps> it's a show. It's all, oh, all, all, the, all, all the It's all the same. Trying to go back into one of your stock um, phrases there. But yeah, no, what an interesting dude, man. Like, he's a lot like a lot softer spoken than us. Um, and because it didn't help, the two of us were there, and he was opposite us, quite a far away as I was well. a bit worried, because um, usually when you do those interviews, like five minutes max. Yeah. And before we went in, they were like, this is 40 minutes, this one. I thought he was going to go, oh, fuck Yeah. It. Didn't you but, say that happened before? Well, I'm going to remove names tactically out of this anecdote. Tweet me, I'll tell you um, what it was. Yeah. Why? DM me. Uh, it's maybe not fair on some people. Yeah. Um, before an interview, I was about to interview this person for a big Hollywood movie. And um, after me, I heard someone else coming in. The PR was saying to the star going, oh, so the next thing is this outlet. And they've got 25 minutes. And the person went, oh, for fuck's sake, 25 <laughs> minutes, seriously? I don't know well, who this well, is. What am I going to say for 25 minutes? <laughs> I'm going to throw out some names. Alan Tudyk. No. Charlize Theron. <laughs> oh, yeah. Like, I can imagine Charlize Theron saying that. Oh, she'd be Naomi Watts. Imagine if it turned out Alan Tudyk was horrible. Oh, That'd don't be bad. say that. Um, I hope he is. <laughs> I hope he's got a right but yeah. hump on all the time. So there we are. Cure for Wellness comes out on the 24th of February. But before that, guys. Before Cure for Wellness comes out, it's time for a very special keyword countdown. Keyword countdown. It's keyword countdown. It's keyword countdown. 
IMDb categorized their films via a bunch of crazy keywords. <laughs> and what I've done is taken five films, 10 keywords each, and you guys have to tell me what that film is by the keywords. Are you guys ready? Somewhat, somewhat, somewhat. Right. Yeah, I'm, I'm literally on IMDb, so I'm. You got I'm, on IMDb. I'm well ready. <laughs> like I can do it in time. There, one week you are just going to be like on the five most recent films, and someone's just going to check and be like, <laughs> and there's a link between them all, mm. um, and the link made me laugh, but <laughs> might not make you laugh. Is it Bioshock <laughs> or Water? Film What's number one. Water. Yep. Black Cat. Sabrina the Teenage Witch, the movie. Man with Glasses. The Box. Female Full Frontal Nudity. Oh, wait. I'm Interview with a Vampire. One Word Title. Interview. Striptease. <laughs> Nipples. Strip- Showgirls. Stri- striptease. Scientist. Striptease. Stop. No, she's, she's really a scientist, isn't she? <laughs> Batman's a scientist. Wait, I've missed a few because he kept saying striptease and now I'm thinking Nipples, about it. Nipples, scientist, morgue. Nipple scientist? Nipple scientist, morgue. Uh, oh, God. Experiment. Annoying. Neurosurgeon. Lady Splice? Frankenstein reanimator. Splice? Reanimator. Oh, well done. I've never watched that. Two points to Is it Joe. good? It's very good. Uh, the last <laughs> clue, reanimation. Didn't know, <laughs> didn't know there were nips in it. Oh, it's pretty gross, yeah. You find nips gross? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. It should be banned. <laughs> Don't even like lifting my oh, yeah. yeah, mate, it's pretty gross. Not reanimated corpses. <laughs> no, that's nips, full female nudity. I, I think every film should have a reanimated corpse. Do you think? Yeah. Cool. Film number two. Title at the end. Batman Begins. Unsub- unsubtitled foreign language. Unsubtitled. Ooh. That's very good. Godzilla. Now all I can think is Batman Begins. Tied feet. Oh. Tied feet. Mm. Usual suspects. Tied up naked. Rendition. Breasts. Is this the theme? This is the theme. No. <laughs> Severed penis. Oscar. Oh. Fly. Oh, oh fly. no. Depravity. Hostel. Sin City? Hustle 2? Yes. Oh. <laughs> is there a severed penis in Sin City? I feel Four. like there is. Yeah, there is. Yeah, yeah. Oh, he has the like, yellow dude's uh, yeah, he's a yellow like, bastard, yeah. Oh, he grabs yeah. it. That's not severing so much as... Four points to Krupa there. Oh, Yankin. On depravity. Uh, last three clues. Krupa on depravity there. <laughs> <laughs> Torture. Slovakia. And the probably the best one we've ever had. Reference to Elizabeth Bathory. Oh, <laughs> my girl. <laughs> I knew you like that, Joe. Do you know what? I almost put that first. I would never have got it. I thought we talked about because basically, context. We did a let's play of a game, which is an MMO set mm. in uh, Jane Austen uh, Jane novels. Novels in the um, universe of Jane Austen. But I'm pretty sure. I'm sure. I thought we talked about Elizabeth Bathory oh, we and Hostel Two. We talked about Elizabeth Bathory. We didn't talk about we didn't Hostel Two. Okay, fine. Because she used to cover. She used to bathe in blood. She did. I think that's the scene. It's a fucking amazing scene. Hostel Two as well. I love Hostel Two. Really? Yeah, I really like it. Do you like Hostel 1? Yep. All right. I've never seen Hostel 3, so... Seems like maybe something you've been to. Yeah, it's not Eli Roth, though. Have uh, you watched a Serbian film? Nah. 
I've read the Wikipedia entry for that. I know, I know, what, I know, I know what the thing is. <laughs> Those long winter nights just flying. Oh man, I so many horror films. I just go, sounds gross. I'll just read the plot on the Wikipedia, and that's it. And that's that's how I know so many I films. I just read the plot and wank furiously. <laughs> no wonder Joe's good at fucking keyword countdown. He's just reading verbal descriptions. I've read the reanimator one. Going straight on that. Here we go for those long descriptions <laughs> of nips. Film reanimating num- nips. Film number three. <laughs> Alien. Alien. Fast food. Paul. Evolution. S- small town. <gasps> That's very good. Tremors. Oh, Super 8. Vomiting. Oh, um, Sliver. Dubbed. Oh, f- I thought it was definitely Sliver. Good guesses. Dubbed. Dubbed. What's, what's a foreign... Might not be all of it dubbed. Uh. <clears throat> uh. Two-word title. Evil Dead. Low budget film. It's not monsters. Written and directed by cast member. Oh, That's on. slightly misleading. Oh. oh well. Oh, because they're a small cast member. Right. Evil yeah. Dead Two. Three to three inches. <laughs> <laughs> Head ripped off. What is Brain this? Dead. New Zealand. Oh, f- black sheep. No, that's not an alien. Bad taste. Bad taste. Bad taste. Oh. Well done. Have you seen Brain Dead? Yeah. Oh, I've never watched oh, that. Don't they put good, like man. a zombie in a blender or something in that? There's a scene with a um, lawn mowing machine. Yeah, that's that's got and there's kung fu priest, Catholic priest in there who's like amazing. It. And he goes, "I kick ass for the Lord." And he has this like sequence. It's like got Bill Paxton and Bill Pullman in it. I don't know. It's a long it time since I've seen it. I think um, that, this that, I don't know why oh, I remember horrible that, bit where two zombies start rutting at a dining room table. <laughs> yeah. So so far, uh, Krupa's guessed two films with five points. Joe's guessed one. He's got two points. <clears throat> I'm bad in series two. Film number four: Child Murder. Gone Baby Gone. Shock humor. That was a spoiler. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Woman Hater. Breasts. What? Kevin! <laughs> I, didn't, I didn't even realise I'd done Come that. on! Come on. There was no breasts in uh, Bad Taste. What do you want? <laughs> Hates it. Fewer. Fewer Extreme breasts. film. Extreme child murder shock humour. Shock humour. Art censorship. Serbian film. Band film. <sighs> oh, Charles Play 2? Based on manga. Oh, Itchy the Killer? Yes. Oh, good one. Happy with that. Three points to Joe. It's only three. I thought, oh. But it's, that means you're neck and neck going into the final thing. <gasps> Again. Uh, this keeps happening. Last two uh, films. Muscle Man, Severed Tongue. Guess how I know about that film. How? Wikipedia. Wikipedia. <laughs> I was, uh, when I was... Fi- you in filth, Wiki. When I, when I was 15, um, I did work experience at the Sunday Times, yeah. and I worked with this guy, and we had to go and pick up something from somewhere in his car. I'm not Whoa, sure it was for this work. This doesn't sound legit yeah, at And he all. just told me, blow by blow, the th- plot of Itchy the Killer, and he was really into it. And I remember thinking... I might die today. That is, that's a bit intense for me. 15 years old on Fleet Street. That's the movie I'm going to write about. Here we go then. Five all, two films apiece. Oh, hello. This is good, guys. This is really good. This is high level keyword. Film. This is high level. (laughs) Five (laughs) points each. (laughs) Hey, mate, come on now. Film number five. Cult film. Evil Dead. Sequel. Evil Dead 2. Exorcist 2. Army of Darkness. Pennsylvania. Hmm. The Conjuring 2. 
Amityville Horror. Psychotronic. What? Psych- I don't even know what I mean. <laughs> 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 it's, a, it's a good word. <laughs> Barricade. <laughs> Biker Gang. Lost Boys? Oh, oh yeah. That's Till Dawn? Escape. Demon Knight. That's Demon Knight. Come on now. <laughs> With Billy Zane. Come on, come Wait, on. That's Till Dawn's not a sequel. God damn it. What's a sequel? Climbing Through a Window. Ah! That could be anything. Shopping Mall. Dawn of the Dead. dead. Oh, that, was, that was insane. That's neck and neck. That we've shaken hands. We're sharing that. We're having that. <laughs> so I'm giving you a point each. Yeah. All right. We've never had that before. Draw. I, I even, that was yeah. perfectly insane. That's I knew you, wonderful. Look at the waveforms. Yeah. All I'm saying. <laughs> look at the shape. I love you, Cooper. <laughs> two, two points each for that. Uh, last one. In retrospect, Living Pennsylvania dead. is a oh, big wait. clue. Well, I tell you what, though. You can work out who wins. You can work out who wins this week by if you can guess what Your the link is. Disgusting thing. <laughs> Nips. <laughs> is it There's lots of well, nude zombies. women. Nude zombies. Think about what we've had in the podcast. What? Gore. It's gore. <laughs> All these films the theme is are in gore. the top ten on IMDb's goriest films. <laughs> I told you we weren't going to like it. Joe gets an extra point for that. I mean, like, what could I have done? I could have done war. <laughs> no, but we've stopped doing themes based on what's in the podcast. Yeah, but I wanted to do one. Um, Joe gets a point for that. So well done. I'll that was you. fuck. That was a banger. That was good. Banger was again. One of the banger. best. We've ever, this keeps happening. We keep doing happen. well. Yeah. We banger. Okay, guys. <laughs> Gav just I seen know. Gav on his bit of feedback. You'll understand why he's written in all caps in massive writing. Fuck you. Uh, yeah. Somebody else so look, go that's something to look forward to <laughs> so we've got some feedback if you want to get in touch with us you can IGN underscore UK feedback at IGN.com joined us for the bad cinema stories section because they don't stop coming in right there's a lot of stuff I don't understand on this email that I've got from Tom Miller howdy folks brand new listener here literally only been listening for a couple of weeks the bumming episode was my first episode well, now what is this that's Gav I think I was on it and I don't remember that Gav started saying um bumming at the start and Alicia said she didn't know what bumming oh, meant yeah, she didn't know what bumming was but I know right she did it was just she also didn't know what kindergarten cop is so. in context she didn't know what bumming meant right but yeah fair enough okay. she does know that but men have sex to- with men but Tom says really enjoying it bumming so doesn't require no 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 no, no I guess not, not. No. anyone can bum if they try hard enough Gav yeah Fair enough. Um, and I should know based on this says, email. <laughs> Tom, Tom's really enjoying it so far. Thanks, Tom. Helps keep my long commute interesting. Well, it would, wouldn't it? Bumming. Uh, makes me look like a bit of a weirdo when I laugh, which helps keep the seat next to me on the train free. Initial thoughts on some he members... he pisses himself yeah. when he laughs. <laughs> Nobody likes soggy Tom. Uh, initial thoughts on some members of the team. Gav, <clears throat> alcoholic. Mm. But in a good way, for now. <laughs> I don't... <laughs> this is bad. You don't talk about drinking that much. Ew. I think you do on prepared to try, but I think it's been edited that way as well. This well we is, also drink on prepared to try as but well. But this is what interests like, me. I can't yeah. tell whether Tom's seen other things because I can't see how he's come to the conclusion about Not based me on the podcast, no. I well, I, the, well you're, you're up next, mate. I know, that's so, what I'm Joe, saying. Do I, there was a, to be fair, there was a run of like six episodes where we had to record on the day after we all had a skinful. Oh, uh, okay. Um, yeah, in the run up to Christmas, probably. If you listen to that I run. was a fucking mess. Yeah. It was out of control. <laughs> was. 
Um, Joe, um, porn feed. Yeah, so What's I don't this really, one? So if he's listened to regular features, which is another podcast that Gavin and I do. We don't still talk, you don't talk about you and we, porn, huh? We have done a couple of times, but I don't remember talking about porn on porn this. Porn teen, apparently. Um, Alicia, <laughs> Alicia doesn't, doesn't appear to have watched any films, Kindergarten Cop. That's absolutely go. correct. Yeah. And then, now, this is his bad I love that I've story. gotten away with the Kindergarten Cop thing, by the way. Because I didn't, I didn't, I didn't, I've seen it, but I didn't get it during that podcast. At least you know what it is, though. Yeah, I suppose. Yeah. I have a bad cinema story. Not bad as in bad things happen, but bad as in not very good. I was at my local Odeon. I don't know what I mean. And we were a bit early, so my girlfriend went to the toilet. I was waiting for her outside the toilet when suddenly Nicole Kidman appeared and started walking towards Wait, me. what local Odeon do you go to? Huh? Suddenly, like, so she made solid eye contact and smiled. <laughs> and then, oh, is this real? Come on now. Uh, she made eye contact and smiled and then asked, G'day, mate. She probably didn't say that bit. Do you know where the toilets are? He's made this up. As I was standing underneath a giant sign saying toilets, I just sort of pointed up and she walked through the door. My girlfriend came out. Pointed up and she took off and flew. <laughs> and we took our seats. I explained what happened and that I thought Nicole Kidman was possibly an idiot or at least very short-sighted. My girlfriend responded by saying that she can't stand her and thinks she's Aww. a terrible actress. We then realised that Nicole and her husband Keith Urban, not Judge Dredd, we're sitting directly behind us and probably heard everything. Oh, well, the film was sort of okay, but not great. It was that Oz film, not the prison TV series. <laughs> so she is, I don't know, she's married to Keith Urban. Yeah. yeah. Who's Keith Has Urban? Been for, he's a singer. country and western singer. Uh, not Carl Urban. Imagine, oh, I'd love to be married to Carl Urban. Would that's you? what I've taken from that. You can't that. do accents. Is that what you've taken from that? Yeah. And that's the moral of that story is Gav. <laughs> I don't believe like that to have happened. a drink with Carl Urban. Do you know what? Like... I want more details. Odium. I want to know what Odeon that is. Oh, he says he's from um, Surrey. Oh, she might, she, have, she might have, a, like, she might have yeah, a nice she, big house in Surrey. I just can't imagine Keith Urban in Surrey. Or Cowboy hat. So I assume that's, I assume that's the Sam Raimi Oz film then. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. No, that wasn't Sam Raimi. Yeah. yeah, it was, yeah. Oh. What was, was it called? Powerful. Was she in that? No, no, but, but she's, she's watching it. Watching it. Oh. If she that, that's it, mental. She's going to watch My brain immediately went. Let's go watch it again. Brilliant. I was thinking Australia. The Baz Luhrmann thing, but that makes sense. Oh yeah, that ma it makes more sense if it wasn't her, her film. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Can you imagine if they were just she was gonna watch Australia in she's, Surrey. She's just in like, Surrey. this is working. <laughs> Isn't she in that as well? Yeah, yeah. yeah. That's, why yeah that's what he's saying. Yeah, I was, I was really confused. Watch yourself for three hours. Have you watched that? In an ocean. Uh, my mother watched, and I was dipping in and out <laughs> once. I don't I watched it with my mum. That's a film you watch with your mum. That's, that's not a good that's film. That's Baz Luhrmann all over, isn't it? It's so long, man. It's is three it? and a half hours. Yeah. Well, in my mind, oh. it's three and a half hours. It's yeah. probably not. It doesn't need to be there. We no watched, we nothing watched about Australia needs to be three and a half hours long. We watched a film the other day that was 90 minutes long. Can we, I don't know if we can talk about it yet. Well, we we watched you know, we'll talk about it in a few weeks, I think. We watched a 90-minute film and it felt like three hours long. It was awful. You were there. Time, oh, time we'll talk yeah, about it in a few weeks. That's... Time dilated. Oh, it was really weird. It's like a physics experiment. So we watched like Logan we're... the next day and it flew by and it's yeah. an hour longer. Yeah. It's like we were in a CERN experiment. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Joe? Oh, yes. <clears throat> Matthew Wagner. Th that's the thing, right? These cinema stories are getting more and more elaborate. Yes. You think we're out, we're oh, we're just reading out lies now. Are, are just people I think making we've been up reading lies. out lies for a while because like, I thought a lot of the ones we had last time uh, could have been lies. We need photographic evidence of every new cinema story. Yeah. <laughs> Matthew Wagner, elder, elderly cinema horror stories. So now they're getting niche as well. Yeah. This is based on an elderly one. Yeah. Hey guys, loving the show and the cinema horror stories. So I thought I'd share mine. I used to work shift work at a mine. 
So I used to have plenty of time during the day to go to the movies. Do you work in mines at, at night? night. Well, maybe, you'd probably keep them going all day, wouldn't you? Why, why, why is it more dangerous at night? This it's is not, definitely it's not, made it's up. Not, it's dark all day long. That's right. I, I try to work out what... There's something there, but I don't know what. I, I think like, it's nice incidental detail that almost makes me think it's real. Is it so when they come Shift out of the mine... Shift work at a mine. Well, yeah, happier. Because well, if, you, if you're working all day down in the mine and you come up and it's dark... You're, all, you're always in the dark, whereas if you work in the night and you come up in the day, you're like, oh, this is not that bad. It's it? like coming out of the cinema and you go, so oh, you're it's saying night. It's, yeah. <laughs> uh, okay. Is he a mole? <laughs> I don't really understand that. Okay, go on. One day, I went to see The Dark Knight during a morning session. Only <laughs> oh, The Dark Knight. So we're talking about it. <laughs> dark Knight during the morning. I'm so confused. It's like a Zodiac letter. <laughs> oh, well, The Dark Knight Rises. Not for me. <laughs> Uh, uh. One day I went to see The Dark Knight during a morning session Only to find that the theatre had been booked out by a nursing home trip There were, however, a couple of spare seats in the front row for cheap If I don't mind sitting up front I figured, cheap seats, why not? That's Gav's nice. whole it's like philosophy Thrifty All was going well until the final 20 minutes of the movie When the sleeping lady to my left wet herself <laughs> That's not funny Is it bit it yeah. is quite fun. No, not if she happens to you. Although it was quite dark, you could definitely tell. <laughs> uh, however, it was quite a dramatic part of the movie, and I was loath to leave, so I decided to just put up with it for the rest of the movie. Piss. Yeah. The stink of old piss. The movie ends, lights come on, lady wakes up, and I give her what I thought was an understanding grimace. Well, how did you do an understanding grimace? Try it now. Like, I... like that. I wish we still had a video version. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, I love how like we get we nix the video version straight away. Start, doing, we start really doing more visual stuff. <laughs> she notices what's happened and flips out as the ushers start to <clears throat> enter the cinema. She starts screaming at me, screaming that I was a filthy animal and how could I do this to her? Everyone just froze. I had no idea what was going on. After what felt like an age, one of the ushers politely asked me to leave, and I bailed harder than I ever have to the receding sounds of her abusing diatribe. Amazing movie, but two out of ten would not do it again. Keep up the fantastic work, Matt. P.S. And this bit confuses me. Has anyone pulled up yeah. Gav on his pronunciation <clears throat> of the word genuinely? After hundreds of hours of regular features, uh-huh, I genuinely UK podcast and prepared to try. It's become a bit of a running joke what for you me. Say? I genuinely say it like that. Genuinely. You just said it two different yeah, ways. You just say it, yeah, you just said it two <gasps> different ways. I think maybe you say genuinely. Genuinely. Yeah. Say... Oh, we need to. No, we need, we need to, to go to find a, go an actual example. Yeah. It, tell him to send some in. Yeah, send him some clips. He's not sending us lies in an email. <laughs> like, I'm not uh, like this is you what I think happened. This. Lying this is the thing because like we've like we've done features on people who you know. Have you seen this shit on like Reddit where it's just like um, my dad died yeah, and yeah. then I went into the uh, uh, went into the attic and there was a box of Pokemon magazines that he'd bought when he was him alive. And him, my mum divorced and he'd put posted notes on there so he could talk to me on the weekend about something that I was into. I just fuck off, did he? That's bollocks. Like see this is the thing. It's like I'm with you to a certain extent, yeah. but you're complete writing off all of these stories. Denies be, any yeah, some will be genuine, will be, yeah. yeah. Some, some of them, of them have some to be of them real. will be false. Like yeah. but the really sad one about the guy who races his dad's ghost on that old Xbox game. Have you heard seen that one? Yeah, I've seen it genuinely that. makes that. me nearly cry but every time I think about that it. That seems like it's more real. What makes that more real to you than that other one? 
then my dad was nice because that that seems like that's a video game it seems less overly sentimental yeah and that's what you probably yeah because he's like. just like he just plays a video game like that's just that's the story for that his dad played a video game his dad died yeah. the ghost still was still there like fine it's always this like oh and then years later the, one, like, the ones that are definitely made up are like here my kid just said this profound oh, thing oh yeah yeah and it's like here's a letter my five year old like, wrote shitty to backwards writing yeah. handwriting that's it's, like it always says aged uh, like yeah. and the age on it as well which yeah, I don't think I've never seen an actual child do that age eight mm. like and yeah three quarters it, the only people who ever write aged eight and three quarters are people doing an ironic joke exactly yeah, yeah. and this is the thing a lot of the time especially when you know when you see people write fibs and like you can look at something and just go well, that never happened. Mm-hmm. You can you can almost pinpoint the point where it like they've 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 been in the situation. He's I think what happened there was he's gone to the cinema. There is a nursing home there. Then he sat down in the and, cinema. Like yeah, the, like oh sorry, that, I that, thought you meant the plate. Like there was a cinema attached to a nursing no. home. <laughs> he's confused. gone to a, he's gone to a cinema. They have booked it out. He has sat next to an old person. Then his his uh, like. Uh, imagination's taken over and he's gone oh what would happen if she pissed and then what would happen if she woke up and she didn't know she pissed and then because like it's so vague at the end he's like I bailed why would you bail you'd just be like well I never pissed on her so you're, you're actively having a go at Matthew Wagner no, well, no, no, well, no we've had I'm debunking uh, what you're saying, you were saying we're two for two for liars <laughs> yeah so I don't know I don't fucking care what you're saying is keep sending in your lies IGN underscore UK feedback IGN.com what you're saying is he's not genuine yeah, you know well I'm gonna say like Gab's genuinely had a drink yeah. <laughs> yeah. I haven't you two have <laughs> what how dare you sir <laughs> I mean if I had today if you're counting <laughs> Nah, I'm sure you're both on the level. Just don't send us lies. <laughs> or do. Sometimes they're more fun. Yeah. Have you seen some of the shit we used to get? These are great. <laughs> Speaking of shit that we get. Uh, oh, yeah, I forgot we had yours. <laughs> All right. Probably, probably bang on this I one. I love this. I don't know. If, uh, here we go. Oh, yeah. Anyway, it's got a nice end, I suppose. Yeah, it's nice this about you. Sibrin Fetter. And it's called Important Conclusion About Gav, yeah. which piqued my interest. For years, I've been listening to your crazy banter on the podcast, and I'm still loving it. However, over the years of listening to the podcast and watching Prepared to Try, I have come to an important conclusion. Gav is one of the worst type of human being on the planet. <laughs> Let me explain. Gav is the type of person who publicly announces his misdeeds like party crashing, which is stealing. <laughs> Says it. I mean, it is when you take the booze. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, I'm all right with that. I'm waiting well, outside. <laughs> I'm waiting outside the cinema to beat someone up. Verbal disagreement does not make assault acceptable. It absolutely does. While at the same time being extremely convinced of his own morality, <laughs> which I've just proved there. That is absolutely true. In, the, in like, I, like if someone wrongs you in any way, you can beat him up. In nearly every episode, Mr. Murphy states some example of what he finds unacceptable behavior, like lying. <laughs> but does he apply this to himself? No! All the worst people in the world fall in this category, where they decree others yet are blind to their own crimes. I think that's fair. That's, that's a very astute observation. Profound. Yeah. But it gets even worse. The very, very worst part of all this is you cannot help but like him. If Gav would tell me on the podcast that he just murdered a school bus with blind paraplegic children and their puppies, all I could think of is, you scoundrel, typical Gav shenanigans. <laughs> so in conclusion, I hate myself for liking Gav. I hate myself for liking Gav so much, and I hope he stays with IGN forever. Not only because I love listening to him, but also because if he would leave and set higher goals, he would become the tyrant of the world. Kind regards, Simran Fetter, the Netherlands. 
Cheers. <laughs> Thanks. And that's the one Gav wrote. Fuck you across <laughs> in massive letters. Learning nothing. Well, there we are. That was a good podcast, wasn't it? It was very nice indeed. I, I like it when we, like... Don't have to put as much work in. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Although, well, I guess we've, we've done all the work. We did, we yeah, did the work did, already. Yeah. You've done loads more. You so went past, somewhere. Past Cooper and Gav really fucking put the work in here, lads. Well done. No, we're um, just enjoying the harvest. Yeah, exactly. Uh, well done, everyone. If you want to get in touch with us and send us your lies or, or some truths. Or more stuff on psychoanalyzing Gav. <laughs> yep. IGN underscore you can feedback at IGN.com. And we shall see you next week. Bye. Bye. Hey there, this is Justin Bartha. I made a funny new podcast, King of the Egg Cream. It has the greatest cast in the history of podcasts with actors like Louis Black. I'm torn by my feelings for two women. Bobby Cannavale. You can eat it, or if someone hits you, you can put it on your cut. Melanie Linsky. I wonder what these marvelous things are that look just like boiled chicken feet. Jason Ritter. I can break things and pick locks and kill people. Michael Stuhlbarg. The whole point is to inspire people that they should make themselves better. Ari Grainer. No, don't whet its appetite. What are you, an idiot? Me, Justin Bartha. That's not just any egg cream, that's a Lemke's special. And all narrated by the hilarious Richard Kind. This is the story of Harry Dalowitz. And how he rose from nothing to become New York's King of the Egg Cream. So if you like funny true stories, come listen to King of the Egg Cream, available wherever you get your podcasts.